This week and the last several weeks, for many of you who know me, know that uh, Linda came home from the hospital about two weeks and two days ago on May the 6th. It was, a, it was a celebratory day in our house, and Linda was feeling well, and, and the world was good, and coming home from the hospital was uh, great, and you know she was a little weak, but she was getting stronger, and this was all good. And then, you know, it has been a journey together, the up and the down, the challenge and the less than challenging uh, moments, the beautiful moments when everything seemed to be going smoothly and the moments when there was intense pain um, from, that we thought had been uh, mitigated and taken care of and trying to get a hold of people who could fix these problems. So interestingly enough, this morning, as I was sitting with Linda, we were sitting together in, uh, she had slept well last night and we were sitting together and talking. Uh, and I said, you know, Ezekiel and the dry bones, what, you know, what, uh, what wisdom am I gonna offer uh, about this beautiful prophetic piece? And she said, James, for the last two weeks, you've lived the, the dry bones. You've lived in the Valley of Dry Bones from moments of great hope and, you know, irrational hope to moments of recognizing that you're standing in the midst of what might have been or what could have been, but what isn't. Uh, how are we going to, you know, so, but I get tired of autobiographical sermons. It feels like every week, I tell you some great struggle I'm having and then invite you to look in and see how the struggle is, uh, is a challenge in and of itself uh, and invite you to see it that way and to see perhaps how the scripture is. Because one thing I'd like for us to see when we read scripture is it's not just a spiritual story from 2,000 plus years ago, uh, that there are practical applicable kinds of realities that touch us all. Uh, and that the stories aren't just really pretty stories from then. The reason we've kept these stories is because there's some common line that being human in a world created by God invites us to see ourselves somehow in these stories. So today I wanted to read to you a story. It's, today is Pentecost, by the way. Happy Pentecost. Uh, a lot of churches celebrate it. It's the birthday of the church. It's when the Spirit was poured out and all of that good kind of stuff. And that's great. And we tell the story from Acts when all the apostles were gathered together in one space and there were tongues of fire and all that kind of stuff. I chose not to do that one again this year. I think I've done that pretty much every year since I've been at St. James so this, my 29th Pentecost that I am preaching, I chose instead to turn to the prophet Ezekiel uh, because I like him and because he's got kind of an interesting flavor to him. He's trying to speak a word of hope. There's a historic context for the book, but then there's also a personal context for us where we're going to meet the text and invite it to see what it says to us now, today. So the text is from chapter 37, 
It's probably the most famous passage from Ezekiel. Uh, it's the Valley of the Dry Bones. I'm beginning with verse 1. So listen now for a word from the Lord and listen closely and hear what you might hear through your own ears. Does it speak to your pain? Does it speak to where you are? Ezekiel 37, beginning in verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you, and you will and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. And as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, and there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. This is a word from the Lord for this morning. Thanks be to God. So Ezekiel has this beautiful vision. And it's a vision for a people that in 586 B.C. were conquered by the Babylonians and driven from their land. Not only driven from their land, but captured and taken to a foreign place where they were told, this is now your land. All that you knew before is gone. And, oh, by the way, uh, if you can find hope, good luck. And Ezekiel speaks into that hopeless situation to people who could see only that their lives were dry bones and offered them a sense that perhaps there's something more than the dryness that they thought life was passing along. So the vision takes Ezekiel 
out uh, into a valley that's filled with dry bones. They're not just dry bones, they're really dry bones. Very dry bones, it tells us. They had been bleached by the sun for God knows how long, and only God, apparently. Uh, and that's all that was left. That's all that was left. Now, Ezekiel is standing in this valley surrounded by the remnants of death. Pain, brokenness. What hope can you speak to a bunch of bones? What can you say to a bunch of bones? I mean, when things are bad and you can't see beyond the bad moment itself, how do you see beyond? Well, one of the first things I saw in this passage that spoke to me is that God sees reality in a different way than I usually see it. I see things not as they are, but as I am. And if I get caught up in what's going on in my life, if I get twisted and turned and I, for instance, see Linda in deep pain or struggling and I can't see anything beyond my powerlessness to do anything other than pray for her. And you might say, well, James' prayer is powerful. I don't disagree. But in the moment my wife is in pain and my prayer does not immediately relieve her pain by the superpowers given me by the bishop who laid hands on me, then I'm left standing there in a valley of dry bones. It's not that I don't have faith, and it's not that I don't know that God is with me in that moment. Although, I will tell you, in the worst moments, I wonder where God is. I'm just like the psalmist. You were here 15 minutes ago, God. Where the heck did you go? <laughs> Come on back. Don't forget me. Don't forget me. Don't forget me. And what I'm really asking when I say don't forget me is fix this problem for me. Fix this problem for me. Help me find a way through this valley of dry bones. Now, see, when I read this story, I do see an autobiographical moment. But what about you? Take a step back with me, and one of the first things we have to ask ourselves when we're reading a scripture passage is to be honest with ourselves. When you hear about a valley of dry bones, do you distance it over there and think, well, this is a beautiful, intriguing vision that uh, Ezekiel had, you know, 2,500 years ago. Isn't that great? Or do you begin to see what it might feel like to be in a valley surrounded by the hopelessness of death? The hopelessness of pain. The hopelessness of a, of a pandemic where your foe is unseeable. Hey, you say to yourself, at least those Israelites could see the Babylonians. We can't see COVID-19, you know, the coronavirus when it's floating around. Oh my gosh. And we don't know which one of us will get just sick like we had the flu and which one of us will go into respiratory arrest. We didn't know that for the last year. So it's kind of scary, and it feels like walking 
gingerly through a valley of dry bones. But what about your own personal experience? Are you going through a dry period? Is your life in a rough place? Do you, have you come to a place where you've begun to wonder, is this the job I really want to do with my life? Is this, are these the relationships that I thought mattered to me? Is this the stuff I really need to have in order to be happy? Or have I just accumulated a lot of stuff to look good? Do you ask questions and as you walk through all of that stuff, say to yourself, it's almost like walking through a valley of dry bones. Now, you might not think of that as the first image. But the emptiness of it all, I placed my hope in that totally cool, you know, 96-inch high-definition television set. I put all my hope in being able to see even the smallest pixels. And you know what? I turn it on and I can't be entertained for the 100,000 channels I have on it. I can't find anything to watch. Did you put your hope in some other set of what's turned out to be empty, dry bones in your life? Be honest with yourself. Be honest. What are you feeling that feels like you're in that valley, that you're surrounded by the remnants of what you thought would be life? That's what Ezekiel is transported into and is invited by God. Can these bones live again? Can there be meaning in this? And Ezekiel, you know, in this moment has a really wise response. God, you know, <laughs> because it sure doesn't look like it to me. <laughs> I mean, these aren't just bones that, you know, if I, it, it, these aren't just bodies lying here. And maybe if I attach a defibril defibrillator to them and, you know, shock them a couple of times, they'll wake back up. This is bones. This is no question at all. These are dead. So Ezekiel's response is, yeah, not by my power, but you know God. And I suspect you're asking the question because you know and you want me to know. In the midst of those dry bones, all the things we've put our hopes in that in the end are just one more thing to carry around with us. How do we get to the other side? And the answer is to recognize, I don't know. But you do, God. Oh, Lord, you know. And maybe you're the only one that does. Because I don't know how to get to the other side. And so God says to Ezekiel, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do something... Now, let's just be honest. This is a vision, but even in a vision, how many of us go into the graveyard to preach? Bunch of, you know, people who are buried there. Uh, respectfully so. These bodies didn't even get the respect of being buried somewhere. They're all scattered all over the place. This bones left to be drenched in the sun. How many of us believe anything's going to happen when you talk to dead bones. But Ezekiel does it. 
He does it and life comes from it, but not by his power, by God's power. So we start by being honest with ourselves and we recognize we don't have the power inside ourselves to change the situation. I'm going to tell you another story because, you know, you can't possibly not hear at least one or two stories about me in a sermon or in, and feel like you've you know, walked away. Yesterday started like any other day in our house, uh, which is to say Linda gets up in the morning and her pain is like a, a two or a three. That's pretty much even keeled. And uh, because right after we came home from the hospital, I hadn't cut the grass yet. And right after that, uh, my sister-in-law and my mother-in-law came to visit us and saw that the grass was not cut. They were certain that by now we were living in a jungle. <laughs> and that perhaps there were tigers and lions, bears, elephants roaming in the wild Saharan grasses in our front yard. And that they knew that the best thing they could do is send my sister-in-law, another sister-in-law, down yesterday morning at 8 in the morning to come and cut the grass. And she did. And it was really kind. And it was delightful. But she was going to arrive at 8 o'clock in the morning. And these days, with Linda's pain and other kinds of things like that, we're just beginning to get going at 8 o'clock in the morning. We're just starting to move. So we had to move a little faster yesterday. And as the day progressed, there were, Linda had a hair appointment, which little did I know was on the second floor of a building that only has stairs to get to. Uh, and so she had to walk up a flight of stairs. You know, for most of us, not a big deal, but was a tad bit of a challenge. And yesterday was also the day that the dog had to have a haircut. So the dog had to get, go to the groomer to be groomed. And in the midst of that, you know, my sister-in-law and mother-in-law who came yesterday and cut the grass and were puttering around the house and rearranging things in my kitchen cabinet and other kinds of things that I, I couldn't find this morning. It was fine. Um, it was helpful. In the end, it was delightfully helpful. But Linda's pain by mid-afternoon had risen to like the five, six, seven level, and it was still going up. Now, I don't know if you know anything about what happens on the weekend when you want to get a hold of a doctor, but it's a little bit more challenging than calling the office during the week. And little did we know how challenging it is to find pharmacies, but that's a side issue. So by late afternoon, my other sister-in-law and brother-in-law pop in. Now, you might think at this point, uh, you know, we're going crazy, and we are a little bit. But it was like God was breathing a spirit into our house that needed to happen. Because Robin and Ron appeared, and I am convinced that in the midst of my watching my wife in pain and trying to do all the right things, heat, ice, shower, bath, all of those kinds of things to get those things, get the pain mitigated, 
My sister who is sister-in-law who's a RN shows up. And my brother-in-law who brought his chainsaw to cut a limb up in the backyard shows up. And they were with us until about nine o'clock last night. And Robin helped keep us calm, my sister-in-law. And my brother-in-law was there doing all of these things and, and just being present in his Ron-like way. And you know, in the midst of those dry bones yesterday, new life was breathed. And we were able to find a 24-hour pharmacy. There aren't very many of them anymore. They used to all be open all the time. But finding a 24-hour pharmacy and getting a hold of the service doctor for our service practice, who gave some more pain medication that actually helped Wenda, and then talking to a rheumatologist, all of those things were ways in which I had no power to make happen the way God moved. And I will tell you that yesterday, I didn't see it as God moving. Yesterday, all I could see was Linda's pain, and it, it was all I could do to be there and to try everything in my power, which is quite limited, I've discovered, to meet her needs. But God knew what a godsend it would be to have Tommy, Linda's sister, cut the grass and have Robin and Ron show up and be able to walk us through finding a 24-hour pharmacy that we didn't know was even where it was. And it was actually closer than I thought. And Robin was there to walk Linda through talking to the doctor and getting her some relief. And that was God breathing into it. Now, you might say, that was just happenstance that my sister-in-law and brother-in-law showed up. We actually didn't think Ron and Robin were coming. And it was a surprise. And it turned out to be God sending the spirit into the valley of dry bones. What's going on in your life right now? What are you feeling overwhelmed about right now? What is knocking you back that you can't see a way through? Is that your valley of dry bones right now? You don't see a way through. Can you trust that maybe God does? And that God loves you in the midst of it? And that maybe the very thing that you think will not deliver you from that space is the very thing that will deliver you from that space by God's grace. I'm not saying God doesn't divinely intervene. I'm not sure that this vision is about a divine intervention to bring dead bones back to life, but it is about giving us back the life that we feel is gone from us. Yes, God could turn bones, a bunch of dry bones, into bodies and reanimate them again. I have no doubt of that. But I also know that God can take sometimes what we feel as our own dead bodies, our own empty husks, that feel like we've been laying in the sun of the dry bones, drying out for years, and breathe new life into that in surprising ways. Because that's God.
God doesn't just show up in biblical stories. God shows up in everyday life. The problem is we're reading the biblical stories and waiting for a bunch of dry bones to get up and march away instead of recognizing these very dry bones are the one God wants to breathe life into right now. Just like yours. Are you feeling hopeless and broken and put down by the pandemic? Are you feeling overwhelmed by life? Are you feeling that there is no way to go forward? That's when God wants to breathe life into that moment. And God wants to do it in surprising ways. And if you're waiting for the clouds to break open and for God to speak out of them to give you hope, look a little closer to home. I'm not saying God won't do that or can't. I am saying that what God can do is your brother and sister-in-law, if you have one of those, might pop over. And instead of some kind of cloud-parting storm, their simple kindness through the afternoon might be the very balm you need in the valley of dry bones. You see, God wants to speak hope into your life in your most hopeless moments. And God uses each of us and events themselves to speak those. But you have to stop long enough to look. Can you stop? Running around like your chicken with your head cut off? That's what I did really well yesterday. Can you stop long enough to catch a glimpse and say, oh my gosh, I'm gonna make it through this, this moment, because God is here right now. I just was too busy worrying about the next thing to catch him right now, right here, right here. Don't give up. Don't surrender. God is in your valleys of dry bones when you feel overwhelmed like you can't get to the other side. One of my teachers says, God protects us from nothing and sustains us in everything. I'd like God for, to protect me from everything and sustain me too. But God does sustain me in everything. Even when I recognize in my finitude that I am unprotected, but infinitely loved at the same time. And so are you. You are infinitely loved. You are infinitely precious. Please never forget that.